Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stackin with you alongside my good friend and co-host of this podcast, Travis Krins, KORN uh, Radio Sports Director there in Mitchell. Travis, how we doing? We are approaching, we are inside of one month until the big day. We are. It's uh, Saturday, June 18th. This weekend is Memorial Day weekend, so there's that. And then after that, there's two more weekends. And then it's here. So Holy cow. Holy cow. Yeah. We got our marriage license last weekend. Okay. At the courthouse. Um, I'd say dresses. Her, her dress is the big uh, the big issue right now. Uh-oh. So outside of that, we got to get that finalized. And outside of that, that's about it. The, the, the other issue was the, the drinks because our idea was just to have everybody bring whatever they wanted. Uh-huh. We can't do that when it comes to alcoholic things. So we're going to go and have to buy some stuff, I guess, the night before. So we're going to have to, because I guess only we can provide it. So I, I don't know. So we'll see. Interesting. We'll see how that works. So, yeah, it's, it's coming up. Coming yeah. up in... Uh, now, is there an uh, issue with the dress in terms of it getting fitted, or like it? Um, you know, there, you're seeming to be a little slow. I mean, we, like you said, we are uh, four weekends away, and um, as of like a couple weekends ago, they hadn't started on whatever alterations they needed. That's mm-hmm. in northern Iowa, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully that would get done in the next, hopefully next weekend. Well, I yeah. Would get done, so yeah, I mean. Yeah, it, it's it's quite necessary for that to get done here pronto, and hopefully it yeah. will. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. she's been planning the wedding for the most part, I've been planning our honeymoon, mm-hmm. and Glacier National Park in Montana is our first big stop, and like the main road through that national park is going to be closed. Oh, is that the because Sun Peak Park or part or whatever? Huh? Is it like a Sun Peak Road, or there's like a Sun yeah. Peak something no. other there? Going, going to the Sun Road is what they call. Aha, uh-huh. okay. And I just saw the story on the with the Montana News or other news stations up there that it's not going to be open until at least June 27th at the earliest, and probably later than that. So we're going to be there on June 22nd. So huh. why uh, why is it uh, why is it closed? Because they're a week behind in plowing it. Oh, well, <laughs> there's that. Oh. A lot of snow out there, then, uh, it sounds like. So this is the, you know, this is when it opens. So we, we needed a $2 ticket to get access to that road, uh, which we didn't get the deadline for that, but they have a bunch available the day before. So we were going to, you know, 9 a.m. on our way out there the day we were leaving, we were going to. You know, that was the deadline to get tickets for the day, for the next day. But we probably won't need to do that anymore because it won't be open anyway. So hmm. we have to figure out there's other routes and we'll have to, you know, figure out uh, how to get get to certain places. So I've made a list of a bunch of things like, all right, here's something. Can we get to it? So that was a, a snag and the plans for from today that I found out. So well, hopefully, maybe they can get things on track and they can get the, the roads plowed and, and it opens sooner than than 
what they're anticipating or hopefully you're able to find some way other ways to get into said park and get around to where you need to go uh actually uh my brother-in-law uh just got married this last weekend and he lives in kalispell uh but oh they yes did, like we had a friend that was uh, born there okay so uh so they got married though in uh, by boots. his name is boots i think boots. oh is that is it boots is it really boots he was born in kalispell i'm pretty sure he was born in Kalispell and then moved to what? Wadena, Minnesota. Wow, what a what a uh, odd, odd yeah, uh, big move. route. Yeah, that, that, from the decent sized city to the middle of nowhere practically. Uh, but Wadena is actually, I guess, somewhat close to uh, Otter Tail, uh, which is where in uh, Otter Tail County, Minnesota, which is where this wedding was. A very nice wedding. Very nice wedding. Had a good time. There was a little cold, a little chilly. So hopefully. Your wedding in June is a little warmer than uh, 48 degrees. It's been like 60 degrees last four or five days. That'd be perfect. I would be, oh, yeah, if it was 65, I'd blow a load right now. You know? <laughs> as long as it's under 85, that would be nice. So, and, yeah, it's supposed to be like 85 this weekend. So, it's been, yeah, I've got the window cracked open. It's like 62 degrees. It's very pleasant yeah and uh low humidity too would be great like even if it gets like a, if it's a dry heat that's not good but manageable it's that humidity that's what really gets you and the wind and yeah. the wind yep been windy been very very windy uh speaking of winds let's uh let's Whoa. go to the pga championship here where justin thomas pulled off one of the more spectacular feats that we've seen in quite some time Coming back from seven shots down in the final round to win in a playoff over Will Zalatoris. And that is only because, what, this Mito Pereira or whatever his name is? from Whoever the hell that guy yeah. was. Yes. <laughs> Mito Pereira from Chile, apparently. That's where he is from. He double bogeyed the 18th hole by hitting a ball into the water. That's not good. You can't do that. Uh, it it brings back like a Jean Vandeveld from the op- from the British Open or the the Open Championship and just a colossal collapse. He would said he wasn't thinking about it, but it opened the door for Justin Thomas to get in there along with Will Zalatoris. They had a three hole playoff aggregate. Thomas birdies two holes. He wins the championship and just a. Incredible drama in this, and you know what? It like I haven't seen the ratings yet, but I would hope that they were somewhat good. I don't know if I mean Mito Pereira is not going to be a guy that uh, moves the needle at all, but just the way it came down to it with this dramatic finish, I would hope people at least watch the playoff. The only thing I watched was the playoff. I, I, I'd never heard of the leader before. I've seen the name Zelatoris. So I know who Justin Thomas is. Mm-hmm. And you see Rory McIlroy do his usual, you know, oh, I'll like shoot like a 52 one day. It'll be great. Yeah, and then he does anything. And speak nowhere to be found. So, it's like, again, like, I haven't heard of any of these guys. Seems like... Uh, it, it seems like it's been a while since we've had like a major. Like, oh yeah, these are two guys that people have heard of. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this was not one of those. 
and Justin Thomas, nobody cares about him. So, yeah, golf, golf has that exciting finish once in a while. And oh, and all the guy did, had to do was a par it, so he double bogeys it, and he just completely. If you would have bogeyed it, at least you would have been on the playoff. So, yeah, bad. You know, man, who knows if this guy will you know, have another opportunity or if this is a one-hit wonder. Yep. I I don't know. Was it a miss hit? Did it catch you know the wind or something like? Was it? He said it was. He wasn't thinking about it at all. So I don't think the pressure necessarily got to him. I think he probably he just hit a bad shot. That's the way it. You know, I have to imagine it. It went. Unfortunate time to do that when he's led for much of the tournament. Yeah. Or to anyone, he was like what nine under. What he had a four shot lead at least. Yeah. And it's not even one of those guys that won it. It's somebody that was, what was he, two, two under to start the day? So, yeah. Yeah. Deal. Yep. Justin Thomas was, yeah, two under. And he finished it. He finished with three under, three under for the round, five under for the tournament, along with Will Zell Torres, who shot one over for the day. So, it's a, it just, it, it, incredible, incredible drama there to end the. The, the PGA Championship uh, swing in temperatures. It was really hot for Thursday and Friday. Cold front moves through. It's chilly for the weekend. Tiger Woods had a terrible third round. Then he withdraws. Uh, I thought it was good that he was just able to make the cut on Friday. And then he, he just shit the bed with his third round on Saturday. But, you know, he had already said his knee was bothering him on Thursday. So I, it's not a surprise that he... You know, withdrew after Saturday's round, and you just wonder, like he says, "Oh yeah, the knee's getting better and and whatnot." But like, how do we expect him to? I would hope that he's able to make the cut at St Andrews because that's the site of one of his big victories. It's the what the 150th um, uh, ever Open Championship. So and uh, you know that's the birthplace of golf. So that's a very historical significance, much more so than Southern Hills in the PGA Championship. I would hope Tiger is able to make it through all four rounds, but you just wonder if you know this is what we're going to get from Tiger. You see flashes in there every once in a while that he has a couple of good rounds or a couple of good holes, but can't make it through to the weekend. Yeah, you hate to even see him play when he's in that condition. Hate to see him limp around. Hate to see him, hate to see him shoot seventy nine. So like you know, you you proved him come back. You don't you don't need to play anymore. No. So if he wants to play St Andrews, I understand that. But you know, we will probably never be hundred percent healthy again. So it's kind of like, why are you doing this? Why are you out here? You know, I was yeah stunned. He made the cuts after the way he shot in the first round. I so. thought, isn't that a win? I th- and I even wrote it when I was uh, previewing it in the blog last week. I said I think it's going to be a, a mild victory for him to make the cut. Like that's what we should uh, just hope for. Not that he's in contention, but just to make the cut. And if you're him, it's like you're not Tiger Woods, and you're not playing majors just to make the cut. You're playing to win. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, then why? Why do it? So. You know, hopefully he gets better and healthier, and his leg is not an issue. But you know, man, I, it's it's no fun to watch somebody and then you know, long list of guys 
I like you know like him that at the end it, it's hard to watch when mm-hmm. the Brett Farms and everybody else. Yep. Like no, yeah, a year a year too long. They want a year too long, so hopefully it gets better, and we will see. And I don't think, in Woods' case, I don't think it's that it's a year too long for him. It's just the injuries and that severe injury from that car wreck. It's not that I don't think the age so much of a factor as it is the injuries. And at what point does he say, all right, I'm... Because, you know, it's the body. Yeah. Maybe they can still play. It's just like, but I, I'm just not as quick as I used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, Farm got knocked out of a couple games. Like, I just can't yep. do it anymore. So at what point do they say... This isn't worth it for me. Uh, everybody's body breaks down. So, how long does he continue to do this and play and go out there and say, "Yeah, this isn't what we want to see." Mm-hmm. So that's golf's second major of the year. Uh, Tim or uh, Joe Buck was doing some uh, stuff with with Michael Collins. Uh, I haven't heard any. I didn't. I haven't heard a fucking thing about that. Like, I don't even know if it was good or. They had a lot of people who weren't really golf people or golf related. Like I know Josh Allen was on, uh, but maybe he was promoting the match or whatever on TNT uh, on June first. I mean, they had a bunch of guys that just weren't real golf related, but that's fine. It's kind. Of, it's essentially played out to be like the Manning cast and. Now that Joe Buck is a part of ESPN, I would anticipate that more of stuff like this will happen. I mean, he, he did golf for a few years with the U.S. Open. Um, is he going to do baseball? In, you know, it's a great question. Year, but is he going to do baseball next year? I I don't know. I I would tend to say no, but who knows? I mean, maybe I. Was he going to do stuff with the Home Run Derby? Like, is it going to be a buck cast, you know, during you know ESPN's Home Run Derby? Obviously, can't do it Tuesday with Fox. I don't know. It, it's very interesting. I'm. It seemed like he made the move to ESPN. I'm, I'm sure in part to be with Aikman, but also to maybe focus just on the the one sport primarily that being uh, the NFL. But now you're doing some of this golf stuff. I wonder just what else they ha- they are thinking he's going to do. Be the host of the ESPYs. Ah, there you go. That's right. um, like good use yeah, of time. Get, get your money's worth. Your like your baseball broadcast constantly change every few years, and now you can get you know, not only the, a number one football guy, but a number one baseball guy. So it's like you don't got to do all of them, but how about like I don't know, once or twice a month you do you do the Sunday night game. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. Be okay. I mean, they're already doing stuff with like a rod and stuff, and it's just it's it's, it's weird. Just not, you know, like we said, like last week, that stuff just isn't working. Right. They're trying to replicate it, and like you can do it, but just not with those people. I don't know who you would get, but it's not those people. It's just not working out. Mm-hmm. It's you know some of it's the format, but a lot of it is the actual people. You just can't. Oh, we're gonna put these two and do the same thing. Well, you need to. We need the people. We watch for the, the, the banter and the back and forth, not just because we, we, we watch because we want to hear what they're going to say. Like, so. I heard really good things about what uh, what Sue Bird and whoever, whoever else joined her uh, for the women's Final Four. That was really good. That was well done. Um, 
but it, it, yeah, it needs to be that personality. I mean, hell, maybe maybe the Manning should just do it for baseball too. I bet people, I bet more people would watch the Mannings talk about baseball than they would a Rod in his uh, his simulcast or whatever. Um, French Open is uh, begun in in Paris at Roland Garros. Yeah, did you uh, did you know that? And a uh, a did you know that? B do you care? I knew it. I saw it on the TV this weekend. Oh, that's what's going on, I guess. And no, I do not care. Apparently, there have been a lot of upsets on the women's side. Naomi Osaka has been knocked out. Uh, hey. The number two seed is knocked out. Number five and six. A lot of a lot of people. A lot of women being knocked out. The high the higher uh, ranking ones, and uh, we're just waiting for Rafael Nadal to win. Like that's pretty much all it comes down to. Is Nadal going to win? I want to play? see like how old does he have to be to not win? Like how long can he continue to win this tournament? I don't know. <laughs> it's just so it's just so odd, you know, to see you know clay court. He is so good on the clay. At, like whatever difference he'll the ball. Like, I don't know. I'm not. I don't know anything about tennis, so I don't know the difference between the clay and the hard courts and then the grass. Like what? What is so different about clay? Clay that he just dominates. So well, he's the king of clay, and clay is the slower of the end of the surfaces. So it's just maybe it's just how he gets the the spin, the bounce. Uh, I I don't know. It, he's he's just got a a superior mental edge over everyone else in the field and I have no doubt that if he doesn't get injured Nadal's going to win again. I think it would even despite his age it would be a pretty big upset if he doesn't win. It, it reminds me I'm sure it still happens in NASCAR which I don't you know it's I don't pay attention to much. Back in the day when I watched it they would have the road courses and they would bring in the road the, the specialty road course guys the, the two or three that their specialties were the road courses. Mm. And they would bring them in. All right, this guy. He's not very good around the fucking uh, normal oval, but he's good when there's 12 different turns to navigate. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Nadal. And he can, uh, you know, put something. Federer, I don't think he'll win another one. No, and I don't either. Djokovic was proven to be a dumb shit mm-hmm. this, this year. So, yeah, Nadal's got that one major that he can guarantee himself. So, yeah, that, that race to have the most majors ever, I think it's down to two. Yep. Yep. And, yeah, I, that, look, again, I just think Nadal is likely going to win. It would be an upset if he doesn't. So that's the French Open going on there. Uh, let's see. We have NBA playoffs, some NHL playoffs to get to. Of course, the baseball. There's lots going on there. But first, uh, there's significant consternation i would say in the college football world uh, a little bickering a little back and forth and it was prompted by nick saban that uh, who basically called out uh, jimbo fisher in texas a&m for buying everyone in their number one ranked recru- recruiting class to which jimbo fisher responded well have you seen you know you know go dig up the deal that saban made with god or that god made with saban for you know how good he is there's stuff that you'll find there and it just it's a r- ridiculous back and forth sort of deal but this is where we're at now in college football and I'll see if I can get Charlie on this week or maybe next week uh, sometime to talk about it here and get his thoughts. But, I mean, this is just a ridiculous notion. I think college football is going off the rails here in a major way with all this NIL talk. And and it's understandable because, you know, these college athletes have for years not been paid and, you know, have been 
util, you know, used essentially to make billions of dollars for these universities and for the NCAA, and now they're getting their right and justified share of some of money, some money here. But it is getting out of hand, and the NCAA is trying to get it regulated, but it's you know really tough to put the toothpaste back in the tube after it's been squeezed out. And now we see this constant you know, bickering and saving. Oh, I can't compete with all this. Well, well, you know what? That's too bad, Saban. You've been the king of the mountaintop in college football for quite some time now. Did uh, Jimbo Fisher, I'm sure he did everything within the rules. Was there a little NIL money involved? More than likely, yes. But Jimbo Fisher has also proven to be a very good recruiter. And being in Texas, he's got a lot of guys that he can say, hey, we're building something here. We can keep them closer to home rather than maybe going to the LSU's, Alabama's, the Auburn's of the world. Uh, Zero problem with with what Jimbo Fisher is doing. More so a problem with Nick Saban being a little whiny bitch. I feel the opposite. I like Nick Nick Saban. I don't like Jimbo Fisher or Texas A&M. But Nick Saban saying, buying the players, whatever. Like, you're Alabama, you're going to win, you're going to continue to win national titles, and A&M is not going to be a fucking issue. Like, Texas A&M is not, you know, number one recruiting class. They, again, I, they're not on the radar of, hey, look out for them. I think I picked them last year sometime to make the playoff. It's like, it just, mm-hmm. do it once. Yep. It's not, I mean, a lot of other SEC teams have made the playoff besides Alabama and done quite well. Mm-hmm. Auburn, LSU, Georgia, we know who they are. A&M, can you be, I don't know, like the sixth best team in that conference? You know, when you're going to bring in Oklahoma, Texas is still going to be awful. Oklahoma should probably compete. Mm-hmm. Can A&M, can you be like number six in that conference? Because there's no room right now for you in the top five, so... Number one recruiting class, I don't give a shit. Um, we'll see how good they are. And I don't, you know, eight wins, nine wins, go nuts. Yeah, and, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying that I like Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, but, and, in this situation. But it, it's, and I'm just saying that in, in this spat, I side with Jimbo because Nick Saban is just whining and complaining about how, oh, Alabama maybe doesn't have the NIL money coming in to be able to, you know, keep up with some of these schools, maybe these other universities where they can, you know, do, you know, maybe change up the recruiting process a little bit. I mean, Deion Sanders and Jackson State, for goodness sakes, got brought into this about how they got the number one player. And sure, I'm sure, you know, there's got to be some NIL money or something in the mix there, but it's just Nick Saban complaining that I think really rubs a lot of people the wrong way where even if you don't like a Jimbo Fisher or you don't like what's going on here, you're still going to maybe side with them over Nick Saban in this particular argument or in this particular case, just because he's coming across as a little whiny, you know, bitch. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) I I view this as Nick Saban, a message to his donors and boots are saying, let's go here. Let's get some money going. Mm -hmm. That's That's what I view this as. So, I, I don't know. This, this whole thing, you know, I'm glad the players are getting paid. Now the athletic directors and everybody else wants to, they don't want to put a stop to it, but they want regulations. And as we know, the anything, anything the NCAA tries to do is a clusterfuck of 
whatever. Yes. It can't yes. fucking put in a light bulb correctly. So they're going to try and, and add some guidelines here. Um, something I would like to see, I guess, is, I don't know, there's like really nothing on the books now, but it's like you can't get a deal until you sign. So I'm sure a lot of it is, hey, come here, you can get, you know, $100,000. This booster will give you 100000 if you sign with us. And if you even put it in a, in a rule that you can't do that, that's not saying that's, that, that, that that will not still happen. Or you have to give yeah. some of that money back if you transfer. Oh, something like that. That's a great idea. It's like, all right, I'm going to transfer and chase more money elsewhere, but you got to give that money back. Some sort of rule. I don't know what's going to happen. Some sort of guidelines. Yeah, but, it, it, just, uh, it feels like it's, it's going to destroy college. Not destroy, but it's going to significantly alter and change college football and college basketball, too. I mean... Uh, We'd be silly to say that college basketball is not immune to this, but it's just going to change college sports in large part, and I don't think it's going to be for the better, but that's kind of the bed that the NCAA has been making for all these years where now it's getting to this point where you go from one extreme to the other, and while I think we need to get back more to the middle, so to speak, um... It's going to take some time getting there. So we're going to go through uh, some transition years where we're trying to figure out just what is going on here in the world of college athletics and how the landscape is going to look here down the line. For, for, for that, changes for the bad, I, I, I think money's been changing hands forever. Mm-hmm. As long as there's been college sports for the most part, money yep. has changed hands. So it just may be more... I know it's maybe more upfront now and more out in the open and legal, um, but I think it's always happened. So I don't know, like how much is what what this is going to change, because I think it's always been happening. It's kind of like gambling; like there's always been gambling, mm-hmm. but now a lot of states are passing legalized gambling. So it's not like, Minnesota. Well, Minnesota's not the smart one, and when it comes to that sort of deal, no. I mean, I'm stunned. South Dakota has it, and Minnesota doesn't. Mm-hmm. I was stunned at that. I thought we'd be one of the work, the last to do it. Yep. But it doesn't change anything. You legalize gambling. Oh, now I guess it's okay for all the sports leagues to, you know, run commercials and have sponsorships with these other gambling sites and entities. But for for you know the, this the, the sponsorships changing college, I don't know how it's going to change it because you know all of these. Transfers. This is. I mean, this has happened well before. Yep. There was legal money involved, so the transfer shit is going to continue. You know, you like to see that maybe tamper down a bit. Yeah, the transfer like, portal was like, even when, before like, NIL. When, like, when did that start? Like all the, you know, you see Baylor Shireman transferred uh, when he went to Creighton. Creighton. Yep. Like, all right, he thinks he's going to the NBA or whatever. It's like I don't see that happening, but he's going to do whatever is good for him. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of people transfer. So I, I'm i fine with these players getting their money. I, You know, the, the issues, I don't know, with the recruiting, like I, the same four teams that are always good in college football are always going to be good here for, has, has have we ever had a run like this where it's the same fucking teams? It's been like, for like 15 years now. Mm-hmm. It's the same teams over and over and over, usually. You know, there, there, there's your certain dynasties in college football, but it just seems like with the playoff, it's been all right. It's going to be Alabama. It's going to be Ohio State. Clemson had a good run. It's going to be Oklahoma. 
Georgia's now in the mix. It's like it's going to be the same five or six teams every year. Yep. And I don't think that, you know, if there was a four-team playoff, 25 years ago, you know, Nebraska would always be in there. Florida State would always be in there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you would have more some diversity every once in a while. So yeah, the parody. All this money, give them the money. I don't care. Don't mess it up somehow. Uh, I don't think this is changing anything. It's, you know. Yeah. The rich white guys are finally not making every fucking penny there is. Mm-hmm. Some of the poor black kids are actually making money and they're like, oh, we gotta stop this. Like, no, that's making. You can keep on making money. I don't care. It's uh, it's just the parody in college football is just terrible right now. Um, and I don't know what nil is going to necessarily do in that regard, but I don't. Stop. Something needs to happen. Um, I'm not. I get. I, I don't know all the intricacies of what, you know, is going on behind the scenes and what needs to be done, but I know something needs to change because it's just, it's not good all the way around, both for college football and college basketball. Uh, speaking of basketball, NBA playoffs going on right now. The I saw this amazing stat here. The Miami Heat have outscored the Boston Celtics in only two of the 12 quarters played through the first three games of the Eastern Conference Finals, and yet they have a 2-1 series lead. That is rather remarkable. Yeah, just, you know, you just got to go on a good run. In the third quarter of game one, and they went on a good run. In game three, they lost Jimmy Butler, and if they had a 25-point lead instead of a 26-point lead, they'd probably lose. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I hope Boston gets there because, yeah, like you said, like they they appear to be the better team, but they're down two to one, and this this thing seems like it's going to go seven. Yes. So, like, you like Boston's going to win tonight at home, then it's a best of three, and it'll come down to a game seven. So, yeah, we'll see how healthy Jimmy Butler is, but yeah, like like you said, Boston has been the better team for like seventy five percent of the series, but it's just you know one quarter. Seems to be the difference. Yep. Yeah. And it's those one bad, you know, it's those two bad quarters that can mask, I guess, the the other ten quarters. Here at uh, Tyler Harrow, it sounds like he won't play for the Heat in game four, but Jimmy Butler is going to try. Boston, I think, wins this series. I, I, I do, I agree with you. I think Boston's the better team here, and yet somehow the Heat just keep surviving it's kind of like with the mavericks in the west though the, the mavericks are get running into the buzzsaw known as the golden state warriors that series is three nothing right now warriors will likely sweep the mavs if not they'll take care of them you would hope in no fewer than five games but it does seem like it, it's the eastern conference that is destined to go seven and that was one of the things that you know when these playoffs first started what seems like you know a half a century ago okay maybe just six months okay now Never mind, maybe just four weeks. But regardless, that was one of the things I said about I don't know who's coming out of the East because the East is just going to beat each other up, whether it would be Philly or Milwaukee, Boston, Miami. You just didn't, I, I just didn't know who the necessary favorite was. We have the top two seeds in the East, but that's not necessarily, I wouldn't say they're definitively the two best teams in that particular conference. Um, but that's why I would favor anyone coming out of the West because the East is such, such a juggernaut to get out of this year because you just don't know. And the injuries. If Milwaukee had Chris Middleton, they maybe beat uh, Boston. 
and yes. uh, Philadelphia didn't have Embiid for a couple games, mm-hmm. and he went you know with his concussion and face issue. And James Harden seems to be a terrible player now. So, uh, yeah, this is Golden State's to lose. You know, yes, Dallas, Dallas made a bunch of threes versus Phoenix. They're not making as many versus Golden State. And again, just turn on these games. Dallas Golden State was somewhat close the other night, but. You just look at him as you know, 25 point leads at halftime. It's like I can't care about these because these are not competitive games. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler doesn't get hurt. Boston, you know, Boston probably loses by twenty points. It's like it's twenty six point lead in the first half on the road. How does that happen? It's like these are supposed to be you know the Western Conference Finals. So hopefully the the finals are better. But yeah, these playoffs have been a a big old dud. Yeah, a dumpster fire apart from Memphis and Minnesota, arguably, in the first round. Uh, I would, yeah, I, I think Golden State's the, the clear favorite here. I would take, I would favor Boston probably over Dallas. I don't know who it would be a toss up between Dallas and Miami. And I certainly hope we don't get that series. I really don't give a shit, quite frankly, what NBA Finals we get. Um, but I think if it's Golden State against either Boston or Miami, Golden State has to be favored against either one. Um, and yeah, it, it would be a big surprise if Golden State didn't win this. Yep, and, and what, that would be what four for them now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean it, it, they're just a healthier team right now. Boston is struggling to stay healthy. Miami's clearly struggling to stay healthy here. That you know, injuries are piling up. It's just not good. So I think Golden State wins. And by the way, Andrew Wiggins' posterization on Luka Doncic in Game Three was pretty mesmerizing. Um, Lucas saying he got hit when trying to draw something. Shut up. I mean, that that should be called. He should get a flop. He should have gotten. A, he should have gotten a technical for that for being uh, you know, for trying to draw a foul with that and say he got hit when he just got flat out embarrassed. Luca did. Yeah, I think. It was, oh when, yeah, on the, on the dunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. When Wiggins posterized him. Yeah, that was a that was an impressive dunk. The one that John Moran had in the playoffs, that, that's, that's an all-time. Yes. Yes. Well, that, that was, oof. Oof. Mm-hmm. That's an all-time. Yeah, so at least there's been a couple of those moments, at least in the uh, in the playoffs. So yep. not much else. And that John Morant moment happened against the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are in the news after uh, getting – they signed this guy, uh, Tim Connolly. He's an executive with the Denver Nuggets – and he was the president of basketball operations there. He assigned a five-year deal worth worth over $40 million, and in, that includes an ownership equity to oversee the Timberwolves basketball operations. This, like he, he's the guy who drafted Luka Doncic. Um, this, I, I can't, I couldn't tell you anything about the guy apart from he drafted Luka Doncic, and that's because I read it somewhere. This seems like an insane amount of money for a, a franchise like the Timberwolves to pay. I don't know if the Timberwolves are just that desperate, but to throw in the the ownership equity portion of it seems a little drastic to me. It's just like, uh, wow, I can't believe he's making this move, but you almost have to for that kind of money and that kind of stake in the franchise. Uh... I hope he can get Minnesota over the top and you know get them to be a perennial playoff contender and get them to play deep into the playoffs. But um, I, I think all Timberwolves fans should be excited but skeptical at the same time because 
We just know what happens with Minnesota sports teams. I feel like if they could just add one more guy, they'd be they'd be they'd be in the mix. Mm-hmm. How they do that, who that guy is, I don't know. But you know, they got Towns, they got Anthony Edwards. Who's that? Maybe maybe get Zach Levine back. Probably not. But uh, how do you? I mean, you drafted those other two guys, so it's not like you're signing anybody. Nobody's going to come to Minnesota to play basketball, so you don't think they could get someone to pair with. Uh, Towns and Edwards. That seems like a pretty decent combo. I don't. I, who who are they going to get? I don't know. Like I just and who who's out there? Like I, I don't know. I don't know who, who they get for for that. So, well, Sam, it's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money for for him. That's yeah. probably not going to work out the way they want, but we will see. Yep, and the NBA draft lottery was last week, and some magic was in the air as the Orlando Magic secured the number one uh, pick. You have the Thunder picking uh, number two and number twelve. Um, I think that you know what the, the Rockets are in the in there. Sacramento's four. Detroit oh. fell to five. Um, it would seem to me that the top three, in no particular order, Jabari Smith from Auburn, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, and Paulo Boncaro from Duke. I would tend, I guess, to lean more towards Jabari Smith, but I I, I, I want to see what... Uh, Chet is one of those very rare players. and He's, he's like a unicorn because he can knock down the three-pointer... But he's so scrawny, I think he's just going to get beat up by these bigger guys here in the NBA. And obviously, he's still young enough he can put some meat on those bones and, and put some meat and muscle on his frame. But I, I, I just don't know. I'd be hesitant to select him number one overall. Boncaro is good from Duke, but I, I would tend to lean towards Jabari Smith. But it seems like it's one, two, three. I don't think you can go necessarily wrong with either with any of these picks they say it's a deep draft i really don't like any of these guys so i don't i'm gonna say the best player in this draft is not one of those could it be Jaden ivy of purdue i don't know who it's gonna be i'm gonna say it's not one of those three so yeah chet holmgren where's he fit in jabari smith i have no idea the new guy. Yeah, it's... We will see. I don't know. It's, um... Yeah. NBA, I was, I was not too excited about the, uh... About the lottery. I didn't even realize the lottery was happening until the day of, and like three hours oh. before. Oh, the lottery's going on. Oh, shit. Yeah. Go. Um, anything else NBA we need to get to? No. Okay. NHL playoffs going on right now. Uh, there is a, that Edmonton Calgary series is on steroids, or it's just drunk or something. I don't know. It's been absolutely insane. Fifteen goals combined in game one. Uh, Calgary won nine to six. They actually had a six-one lead, and then Edmonton stormed back to tie the game up at six before Calgary uh, scored the final three goals. Edmonton has won the two games since. Colorado and St. Louis are going back and forth. Uh, they're uh, Kadri, one of the defensemen for Colorado, or they're one of their one of their players, uh, crashed into Jordan Bennington, the the Blues' starting goaltender. 
he got injured, so Bennington is now out for the series. Kadri has received death uh, threats and stuff, so that's not good. The Florida oh, Panthers, the President's Cup winners, they are on the brink of elimination to the Tampa Bay Lightning. By the time you all listen to this, they probably will be eliminated because they just can't crack the code that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Carolina, New York is really good, but a lot of storylines, a lot of very interesting things going on right now in the NHL playoffs. How much have you been following or have you seen any of this stuff going on? I haven't seen it. I'm aware of the scores every day. I'm awaiting the all-natural disaster final of Lightning Avalanche. Ooh, that, yes. What, or could, how about Hurricanes Avalanche? That's also a natural disaster. Oh, Hurricanes. It's the Lightning. It's the, they're going to win this thing. They have to, yeah. This would be a three-peat. They, it's just something about the Lightning in the playoffs. You can't, how do you pick against them? You can't. Yeah, Panthers, boo, the Rangers giving Carolina a series. So let's get yeah, let's get, let's get some lightning and hurricanes. And then with Avalanche and the Flames, you know, I, can the Flames extinguish the Avalanche? And the Avalanche extinguish the Flames would be better. I don't know. So yes, I love maybe light, lightning, flames, lots of fire and heat and electricity, and so well, either. Where, where there's oil, there's likely flames, right? Uh, lots of fires, potentially. Uh, Oilers, Connor McDavid playing outstanding. I mean, that series has just been bizarre. If I, I mean, why why the death threats? If injuries happen in hockey. This seemed like an incidental uh, contact. I don't know if you saw the replay at all, but it's like, uh, come on, folks. This is a little ridiculous. It's just sports. It can't be that important to you. I just can't. I mean, it's, it's hockey in Missouri. I don't... Like, St. Louis is a nice hockey <laughs> town. Uh, good... You know, they got a lot of good fans there. A lot of good Blues fans. But I don't think it's as dire as it might be up in Canada. It just... Stop. Stop. They, they, stop. Guy, they forgot. They won it a couple of years ago. Didn't they? They, they did. Three years ago? Yes. Yep. They, they did. They Over Boston. Um, yeah. They, they were the last team other than the Lightning to win it. So... Yeah, there's that. Um, so yeah, the NHL playoffs going on, but a lot. I mean, it, it, these series have been entertaining, but Florida just shitting the bed against Tampa Bay is just something incredible. It really is. Um, Tampa Bay is definitely a. It's if they aren't one, they need to be considered a dynasty. Um, yeah, in if sports. you win three, that's good. Yep, if they win three, then they're then they're definitely a dynasty. Uh, MLB talk here. The Twins with a, I don't know if we can qualify like the their, their comeback against the Kansas City Royals as a potential springboard for their season. I mean, they're already doing really good. But if we look back at the end of the regular season, are we going to look to their comeback win against Kansas City where they scored seven runs in the eighth and the ninth innings after being down 6 nothing, and say, yeah, that's the time where maybe the offense really started to gain momentum and um, be more consistent. That was a hell of a comeback on Sunday. I don't think so. Okay. No. I, went, I took a nap. I, I was watching it. It was 5 nothing in the 6th. I'm like, all right, it's sleepy time for me. I don't need to watch this. And I saw they won 7-6. I'm like, wow, that, 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 boy, I did not expect that whatsoever. So... Yeah, good comeback for them. 
and they're in this stretch here where they play, what is it, like seven against Kansas City and eight versus the Tigers. That's all they play for the next two weeks. Yep. You look at where they're at, you feel like, you know, you got to go 12-3 and at this point. You're already 3-0. and Can you go 9-3 and the rest of the way? I think that's reasonable. This is, I think we look back at this point of the season where this is where they, you know, this is where they, they got fat and got a bunch of wins against a bunch of bad teams because they play the Yankees here in a couple of weeks and, and, and Toronto, and, and that, that's no fun to play the Yankees. So mm-hmm. you put some distance between yourself and, and Chicago. So if you can get this thing up to maybe a six- or seven-game lead at the end of the month, that would be nice because I'm sure it's, it's going to get a little tight. It's going to get tighter by the end. But mm-hmm. I still think they're going to win this division. But, yeah, good, good comeback. An amazing one. I doubt they'll have a better one all year. And uh, so, what pisses me off is yeah. they, 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 they really treated this game like they didn't give a shit if they won. And so it kind of pisses me off that they did. Mm-hmm. So they have, like, you know, one nothing, two nothing later. They're down one nothing, two nothing. They bring in this Cano who they called up a week ago who, you know, has never pitched in the majors. And he's probably going to get sent down here fairly shortly. Like the, like the, the, the worst guy, the, the bottom guy in the bullpen. So they bring him in like a, a one nothing game, like in the fifth or sixth. It's like, or a 2 nothing game. To me, I mean, Rocco Baldelli makes all these moves that tells me, you know, I know whether or not, it, it just seems like, all right, you're bringing in that pitcher, you don't give a shit if you win today. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you gave a shit if you won, you'd bring in somebody else. You're not going to bring in the worst guy in your bullpen. Mm-hmm. So they bring him in and he gives up like three or four runs. It's 5 nothing. It goes as you would expect. And then the offense bails them out with, with seven runs in the last two innings. Yep. So you got to give guys a day off every now and then, but it's like, like the game is still up for grabs. It's one nothing. It's 2 nothing. It's not impossible, obviously, and they came back to win. So why use your worst guy to give up three runs? So it's, that pisses me off, but whatever. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, we won this series. We took at least two out of three. This game, this game is just a toss-up gimme game. I mean, it's just... Yeah, you want to make sure that you put your as much distance between yourself and the other teams in your division as possible. You want to be jockeying for you know that you know the the number one seed, the number two seed in baseball. I mean that's that's what you want. And, yeah, and people are upset. They you know we talked about last week about Buxton sitting, and him and Carlos Correa were both out. It'd be nice to have you know at least one of them in the lineup at all mm-hmm. times. Yep. When the best players, but like I'm fine with Buxton sitting because he gets hurt all the time, as we know. So the the fewer games you can play him, and the longer he's healthy, the better off it's going to be. Sounds like his knee is still a problem for him. So you know, if he plays two night games in a row, he's never ever going to play a day game after that. So that just not, isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you know, they've got two or three against Detroit. You know, he'll play two of those three probably. He's on a, you know, he's played 100 games once in his career. So, you know, if we can get to 100 or 120, I think that'd be unbelievable. Well, and you look at the the AL Central and even the NL Central. So I did a little uh, little calculating here earlier, and through you know through what are we uh, like every team's played roughly 40 games, for you know 40 45 games somewhere in there. Right now. The AL Central and the NL Central are so terrible 
you have these two, one or two, like, moderately decent teams. In the NL Central, it's the Brewers and the Cardinals, and then it's everyone else. And in the AL Central, it's the Minnesota Twins and the Chicago White Sox and everyone else. Right now, the AL Central has the worst run differential in Major League Baseball, minus 89. The NL Central is second worst at minus 77. So you have both of these divisions where you would think it's going to be the Twins and the White Sox that are just going to eat up on the Guardians, the Tigers, and the Royals. And then in the NL Central, it's the Cardinals and Brewers that are just going to eat up on the Pirates, Cubs, and Reds. So you can't treat these games against the Kansas City Royals and the Detroit Tigers if you've already won the series like they're no big deal no take advantage of these games now because the bigger the league you can you know put up on it you know you're going to put yourself in some good playoff positioning against a team like maybe the Yankees or the Astros who are playing in a slightly more difficult division or perhaps with some better teams so don't don't just say, don't settle for two out of three and say, yeah, whatever happens, happens. No, put the pedal to the metal against the Royals and the Tigers. Yeah. I feel like we play them 19 times. I feel like you should go like 15 and four mm-hmm. or 14 and five. Like you should win 75% of those games. Yes. So, like, uh, I think what decides divisions is not so much the head to head. That's part of it. I think a lot of it is how well do you do against the worst teams? Mm-hmm. Well, with Tampa Bay just lost to, to Baltimore the other day, it was their third loss in 30 games to Baltimore. That's that's a, a sign of dominance. They just kicked their ass. I think they lost. They were like 17 and two last year against Baltimore, or 18 and one. Like they won almost every game. Pretty good. And that doesn't happen very. That, that just doesn't happen in baseball. Even the the worst teams beat the best teams at least. You know. 30% of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, go out and beat these teams. Detroit, I thought they'd be better. But yeah, they've had some injuries. Kansas City looks awful. Yeah, go and beat those teams. Like, you should win five out of six. Yeah. So, don't, yeah. It, it just felt like, oh, we're going to rest Buxton, Correa. They're going to be on the lineup. We couldn't score a fucking run until the eighth inning. Then we kind of get lucky. We don't use our best pitchers. And it was a very fortunate win. Yeah. So. These are the these are the games you don't want to take for granted. You need to try and win these games to help provide that separation at the end. Because it could come down to one game or two, and then you're going to look back to the to the games or the series against the Royals and the Tigers, and you're like, wow, maybe we shouldn't have put in you know this guy Cano for the first time all year, you know, in a one two nothing game. Maybe we should have tried to win like that. It it is it is frustrating. In that regard, um, the White Sox, they were in the news this weekend because they played the Yankees. They um, actually did moderately well. They, they swept the doubleheader on, on Sunday. But they are in the news because of what happened to Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson is a black baseball player for the White Sox. He was uh, uh, Josh Donaldson for the Yankees, former Minnesota Twin, former Atlanta Brave. Called him Jackie, like early in the first inning of what, Saturday's game or something? And kind of in reference to Jackie Robinson. And Tim Anderson had talked, you know, like last year or something about him maybe being like a Jackie Robinson, or he felt like it because he's one of the very few African Americans playing in Major League Baseball. Um,. 
And then the Yankees fans start chanting it. It's just another ugly scene involving Yankees fans. Classless organization. We saw this a few weeks ago with the Guardians. Now you get it with Tim Anderson. Josh Donaldson has been suspended for a game. I I I don't know if you if I don't know if you suspend him, if you suspend it, if you suspend him for more than one game. I don't know what the case is necessarily. But it's just another ugly incident involving the New York Yankees and what appears to be the, a classless fan base, maybe second worst only to St. Louis. I think one game is fine. Josh Donaldson seems like an asshole. It was exciting that the Twins signed him. But it didn't last very long, and you know, it sounds like the Twins are better off without him. I mean, they chose to trade him. Yes. But you know what? You've been, you've been decent. Uh, we we're gonna trade you, man. I don't think anybody was too heartbroken hey, in the clubhouse Gio, that he got traded. So Gio Urshela won the game on Sunday again, and that yeah. was the guy they traded for him and Gary Sanchez. And then allowed him to sign Carlos Correa. So yeah, Twins look like geniuses the way that the way that went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Josh Donaldson always been on seven teams, so he probably rubs people the wrong way, and. I don't think it's a racial thing, that thing. I probably don't agree with Josh Donaldson, probably on his political opinions, I would guess. But I don't think he meant it as a racial thing, I think. Well, he says he was joking. As, as uh, people have said, you know, like an inside joke, you probably don't joke with people you don't get along with, for the most part. Yeah. And those two, don't, those two don't get along. So he, I'm sure he did it. He claims that they've joked at it uh, in the past, and maybe he just read the situation wrong, and Tim Anderson wasn't having it that day. So, you know, whatever. You know, it's... It's it's a big deal for a day or two. You know, it... Ultimately, it's it's one of these things that we've talked about this before about people getting bent out of shape over very little things. You know, from time to time, like it's it, it's just got, it's gotten very soft from time to time. But like, is it is it a huge deal? I I don't know. I don't I don't want to say it's not a big deal, but I don't want to say it's because I'm not the one who's living with it. I'm not the one living as a, as a black person in America here. I don't know if it was considered a joke or not. I probably, you know what, best thing to do, probably don't say it. And then we don't have this whole situation. I don't know quite what to make of it. I think it was maybe a little overdone, a little, uh, there was overreaction from both parties. But at the end of the day, Josh Donaldson didn't have to say it. So just don't say it, but we are getting to the point where it's just, we we don't need to be offended by every little thing that's said, if he meant it in jest. But at the end of the day, just don't say it. If Tim Anderson doesn't like it, I'm like, all right, be offended by it. I don't care. It's between you two guys. So, yeah, for me, I I don't care one way or the other. So... One person took it as a joke, and the other person didn't, so miscommunication there. Yep. Uh, also, twins-related note here, we have uh, uh, Paddock. He is out for the year. He's going to have Tommy John surgery, so that's not good. They remember, they traded uh, Taylor Rogers, or Tyler Rogers away uh, to the Padres, so that's not a good... Um, no. That's not good for the Twins, but it's 
injuries happen, I know some people are like, well, why would you trade for this guy who already had Tommy John once? It's like, well, they needed to shore up the the starting rotation. And it's not like he was great, but he wasn't terrible either. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's just an unfortunate event that has happened. Early on, it looks like a bad trade. You know, Taylor mm-hmm. Rodgers has been excellent with San Diego. Yep. And I understand trading him. He was set to be a free agent. And they're not going to spend money on him. So you get some pictures. I hate Emilio Pagan. I will continue to say how much I hate this man as a baseball player. Uh, they continue to put him out there. Who'd they play? They played somebody. The they almost gave, he almost gave it up again. They, yeah, I think it was, might have been Oakland. He got a save again, but he fucking gave up like three or four base runners, gave up a home run, gave up a couple hits. Our friend in baseball, uh, lover Drew Amon, uh, is not in the camp with me. I hate this man. I mean, I I just can't wait to, 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 to see him blow up in a big spot. It's like, quit putting him out there, because this is going to end badly. You know, Emilio Pagan, just do not put him out there in a big spot. And what is a big spot? It's, you know, you three want, runs for You want Duran to be the closer, right? Like, yeah, Duran's been great. And they kind of went, they kind of did it right where Duran pitched like a couple innings or got four or five outs the other day when the game was in the balance. Then you give Pagan the ninth inning where he got a nice three-run lead. So when he inevitably fucks up, uh, you got a three-run cushion. So I guess that's the way to do it. But, yeah, putting him in a big spot, uh, sooner or later it's going to blow up. His ERA has been four and a half for the past two, three seasons. What do you think it's going to be this year? Figure it out. So... I don't like him, and then Paddock getting hurt sucks. There's a deal between the Mets and the Padres that involved him and Eric Hosmer, and that didn't go through because they saw Chris Paddock and like, yeah, you know what? Something we don't like in his uh, his arm, and that's what happened a month later. So I think you're, I think you're referring to when Pagan actually I found the game. I think it was from Friday when they played Kansas City, and he gave up yes. three hits and one run. Uh, he did get the save, but yeah, it was a. Uh, you know, it was too close for comfort. The Twins had a two run or a three run lead, and he gives up a run, puts a couple of runners on, and yeah, you can't you can't have that. At some point, it's going to come, you know, back in their face, and he's on his, I think, fourth or fifth team in four or five years. So he's moved around quite a bit, mm-hmm. and I don't want him on this team. But he's going to be in the mix for their closer spot, so that sucks. So when he blows a big lead against the Astros in the playoffs or against the Blue Jays. That'll be a fun little, oh, yeah, oh, no shit, that happened. Mm-hmm. So, that's um, disappointing, but, yeah, we win a bunch of games this week. Yes, and, yes, and over the next two weeks, playing the Tigers and the Royals again. Um, any Anything else baseball-wise of note this week from you, and then do you have a hitter and pitcher of the week? Pitcher of the week, um, this guy's been around a while, Michael Kopech. Well, the White Sox, he had a good start against the Yankees last night. He, uh, really, uh, a starter now for the first time as he's been a starter and they really used him more as a reliever in the past couple of years. Now they've given him the chance to become a starter and he's been good. His ERA is 1.29 over 42 innings. So, uh, Michael Kopech, either number one or number two starter right now, I would say, for the White Sox. So it'll be important in that race. It's so tough to come up with hitters for whatever reason. 
hitter. Um, I think it, what did we have a uh, St. Louis guy last week? I mean, we're gonna have a, yes, yes, we had Juan Yopez. Yopez, and then we're gonna have another hitter yes. this week from St. Louis, another kind of older player uh, making his debut. He's 25 years old, Brendan Donovan. He's come up. He's uh, he's hitting 319 over 22 games. So he's had a good start to his uh, his career. And you said he was with St. Louis as well. He was St. Louis as well. So yeah, Brendan Donovan and so. Juan Yepes. There we go. So a couple of uh, couple of St. Louis guys um, hitters of the week. So yeah, you look at um, Adley Rushman. He's the number one prospect in baseball. He was called up. Catcher for Baltimore. So Baltimore, Baltimore is not terrible. They're in, they're getting in the right direction. There there's some there's some pieces. It's percolating for Baltimore. So probably not next year, but maybe in a couple of years, Baltimore. You're like, all right, they can get back to respectability. Well, they're so, certainly but, better this year than they were last year. Yes, and I feel like you know they can maybe win seventy games this year. I feel like. And you know what? The the Diamondbacks are better this year than they were last year, what that they were projected to be like. Uh, you look at that NL West, it's, it seems like that it's the Dodgers and the Padres separating themselves from the pack a little bit. The Giants have fallen off uh, kilter a little bit here. Now what, they get swept by the Padres this week? And that was... Yeah, Padres swept them, and in Arizona and Colorado, they've come, they've come back to life. They'll both likely finish under 500. But again, National League, I'd be stunned if... The six teams in the playoffs now are not the six teams at the end. Mm-hmm. It is that National League East is just atrocious Yep. at the moment. And Max Scherzer, he's going to be out for the next two months. Uh, but the Mets keep on rolling. So they lose to Grom and Scherzer, and that's the reason why I didn't pick them to do anything because I felt like those two guys wouldn't stay healthy, and they're not. But mm-hmm. uh, they've continued to roll, and as long as they're healthy in the playoffs, that's intriguing to see what the Mets can do. You know, there are only four teams that have given up fewer runs than the Twins so far this year. So yeah, their, their pitching has been that's, that's 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 been very surprising. You know, I was that's that was the big question mark I had, and then um, their starting rotation has been excellent. Bullpen's been very good. Uh, I, I can't say enough about the starting pitching. It's been been so. It's been a pleasant surprise. Indeed. Indeed it has. Uh, we've kind of ran the gamut on everything here. Is there anything else that we need to get to for this week? Yeah, here Molina pitched. Albert Pujols pitched the week before, so they put their old guys out there to pitch. Yadier gave up four runs against the Pirates on Peacock on Sunday. It was 18 and nothing in the ninth, so, yeah, put them out there. Um and it was, yeah, they were up like 15-something last week. And you put Albert Pools out there, it's like, it's fine. These guys in their final season, they've never pitched. Let them pitch. So, that is fine. So, yeah, it was kind of a lot of baseball at the moment. So, a lot of stuff going on on, on the baseball front. So, that, that keeps me happy. Yes, yes, it does. Well, you have a good rest of your week. Uh, oh, hopefully- uh, SDSU Baseball. Oh yes, uh, softball. Yep. Uh, they they lost. They had a good show, and it looks like though. Yep. Yeah, softball. Yeah, good. We we brought that up last week. We should talk about that 
right now. Uh, they they lost their first game against Michigan two to one. That was a hard fought game. Then they beat Villanova in a suspended game. It took carried over a couple of days, but they won that five four. Then lost to Michigan again in an elimination game, four to one. So that is unfortunate that they weren't able to um, advance, but they they at least won a game down there. They had a good showing. Um, so so good job to SDSU softball. Yeah, impressive season, you know, 40-41 wins, so good for them. I also want to mention, uh, there, there's a uh, quarterback, quarterback for Pierre, he's pretty good, his name is Lincoln Keenholz. He's good at everything, good at baseball, good at basketball, good at football. And he has a boatload of offers from a lot of schools to be a quarterback. And they're starting to pile up now. And the first couple of them are just very odd. Very odd. The more recent ones make more sense. Um, so on his Twitter page, he updates it. Oh, I got an offer from this school and that school. And the latest one, I guess, was this weekend. He got an offer from Kansas State. Oh. Um, the, the Gophers offered him last week. There you go. Um, Zizi will be a senior this fall. Uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin offered him. Uh, Wyoming. Um, Illinois. So a lot of schools have given, you know, this guy from Pierre a lot of uh, a lot of offers from a lot of Big Ten schools. The the, the first couple were very odd, like Pittsburgh. <laughs> like how how do they know who the hell this kid is from Pierre? Starts with a P, so they just typed it in randomly. P I. P I. They match. Uh, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, they're both in on him. So we'll see where he goes. Maybe he'll make his decision here before the fall. Uh, Washington and Washington State, that makes sense because both of those coaches have connections to South Dakota. Mm-hmm. But I think it's been a while since there's been a anybody in South Dakota get these amount of offers from these big schools. Is there another a quarterback? Is there another quarterback that was offered a scholarship or that signed on with the with the yeah. University of Minnesota? I think he's from Sioux Falls or something. Maybe Jefferson. Harrisburg. He's from Harrisburg. Harrisburg. Yeah. Okay, but that that is that is correct, right? So they yeah, yeah, Harrisburg. They're going after so the yeah, South he's, Dakota. He's going to go there. All right, going after South Dakota so, quarterbacks, I guess. So yeah, Pittsburgh was a weird one, and then there was it was like Colorado State. Two. Those were the first couple. It's like, where? What a weird combination. Well, I've Pittsburgh been offered by Colorado the, State and Pitt. Pittsburgh is the more random one to me just because of how far east yeah. it is. Colorado State, at least, is regional. That makes a little bit of sense, but it's very odd. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, yeah, he is. Um, so, yeah, he's, you know, going to stay home, going to come here. We'll see. If he goes somewhere. Oh, yeah, the other one was Arkansas State. Yeah, that's okay. That's a really weird one. <laughs> like, uh, how how does Arkansas State know? You know, so it's it's very weird. So, oh yeah, uh, uh, Lincoln Keenholes, that'll be a name to name to keep an eye on. Yes, oh. we will keep an eye on him for sure. Well, you have a good rest of your week. Uh, hopefully, the weather's nice and everything, and uh, continue to you know. Good luck with the the honeymoon planning nice. and the wedding planning, and we will talk to you next week, my friend. Well, we have state baseball. Mitchell made it one of four teams, so we'll be doing that Saturday in Sioux Falls. Very good. They play the one seed Roosevelt, so we'll see how they do. But 
We'll be in Sioux Falls at least on Saturday. All right. Well, good luck to the Colonels baseball team. There you go. Very good. All right. Very good, my friend. You have a good week. Uh, Good luck with the game on Saturday. All right. We'll see you later. Travis Crins joining me here. Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time as always. A lot of good stuff there that we covered. Um... Uh, so yeah, yeah, for basketball and hockey. I'm gonna see if Charlie Hildebrand has a few minutes to to spend just to talk about more of this Jimbo Fisher, this this um, Nick Saban deal, and just NIL and college football. It just seems like it's getting a little out of hand here. So we'll we'll do that, and then we'll wrap up with a couple more thoughts on the NHL playoffs as we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis Krenz is on Twitter at Travis Krenz. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Coming up next, a few final thoughts as we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, pleased to be joined by my good friend, we haven't heard from him in a little while, from the Northwest Iowa Review, none other than Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, how are we doing? It's been a long time. It's been a minute. I'm doing good. And I suppose in honor of... uh top gun maverick coming out this week where uh we can come up with call signs and stuff i don't know if you ever watched the original top gun or not but tom cruise went by maverick you can call me eyeball that'll be my uh my fun made-up nickname i remember playing top gun a couple of times on the old nes system you remember that at all I, I vaguely remember it. It was not a game that I had, but I think I played it, and it was probably incredibly hard, like most of those games tended to be. Is that what the is that the movie of choice? The original Top Gun is that going to be on what AMS this week? Uh, I think we're going to do this week. We have not discussed that yet. All right, but but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It should be fun. Yes, it will. You're a good follow on Twitter there for that. I always enjoy seeing those tweets that uh, that you have. I do know you did Gladiator recently and whatnot. Yeah, so. man. I love Gladiator. I know we're not because I could probably talk for half an hour about Gladiator. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a great movie from by by Russell Crowe and and whatnot. Ridley Scott is my favorite director. I love uh, a lot of the things that Ridley Scott does. Right? He directed it's a good Gladiator. Choice. He's, good, he's good at making movies. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Well, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news and whatnot, but uh, Nick Saban and, uh, and Jimbo Fisher have been getting at it a little bit here regarding... Uh, you know, Nick's, or Texas A&M supposedly buying the number one recruiting class in the land. Was it, you know, whether last year or this year, whatever. Um, I think it was last year. And Nick Saban seems to be bitching a little bit about how NIL is really ruining the game. And now he, oh boy, it kind of levels the playing field a little bit. He even called out Deion Sanders, at, you know, head coach at Jackson State. Why? Because why, why not? He's Nick Saban. I just, I guess I, I'm kind of wondering what your thoughts on this whole thing are. Because I, I, truthfully, I do think that we've, we're kind of swinging from not doing anything at all to help these student athletes or to pay them to it going from one extreme to the other, from one side all the way to the other side. We need some balance. We need something to go in the middle here. Because it's go, I fear that this is going to really wreck and destroy college sports here for the foreseeable future unless something happens but i don't know if if coaches like nick saban going at it you know at fellow coaches is really the right way to go about it so what are your overall thoughts on this situation 
I think I would like to not agree with Nick Saban. To a degree, I do agree with him. Now, I do think it's worth noting that certainly let's not pretend like Alabama's never given money to recruits before. You know, it's with Texas A&M's most recent recruiting class, it's all legal to do it now. So, I mean, you can not like it, but it's within the rules as of now. And I suppose... You know, to a degree, it's smart to do that because, you know, you want to win. And if you want to win big, you're going to need a lot of talent. Um, The downside is that Jimbo coming out, like, essentially trying to start a professional wrestling feud with Nick Saban could ultimately backfire on him. I mean, I think we could agree that Alabama is probably going to be really good as long as Nick Saban's there, period. Mm -hmm. Um, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, I think we could say that objectively he's been good. I don't know if he's won as much as some Texas A&M fans like. Right. And by calling out Nick Saban, while Nick Saban's talking about how you've got the best recruiting class, you know, in the country, I mean, if if Texas A&M wins 10 games this season, I think it's not a problem. If they go 8-4 and four or 7-5, and five, though, which I think is very possible, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously the SEC, I would assume, is still going to be very difficult to get this fall. Yep. In, in some ways, I think it's kind of a Jimbo got upset and kind of gave himself a lot of rope. I'm not saying that he's going to hang himself with it, but it does set up already that, you know, in the middle of November, if Texas A&M 6-4, that it's going to be like, oh, looks like Jimbo likes to run his mouth in the offseason, but can't do it when it counts on Saturday. But You know, does that does that actually mean anything? No, but people will pretend that it does, and it can kind of affect you know, fan bases, and it may make A&M fans incredibly upset, who, you know, are not known to be the most sane of fan bases. And I don't want to really defend Jimbo Fisher here, but he was just responding to the comments made by Nick Saban. It's not like Jimbo started this. Nick Saban's the one who, you know, blatantly went out of his way to accuse Fisher and A&M of buying the number one recruiting class. So, say, or, or Jimbo Fisher's just responding to Nick Saban's comments. And... Like I'm not, I, I, I don't really, I, I don't really care for either individual, but I'm gonna side more with Jimbo here in that reg- in this regard over Saban. Saban just sounds like he's bitching and because oh things are getting gonna get harder for Alabama. It's not like we've only had the same five or six teams in the college football playoff every year. Oh wait, we have pretty much outside of one or two exceptions, and Alabama is always at the top of that. So now that the the level or the the playing field is leveled out a little bit, it seems like he's complaining and saying, oh, things are going to be so hard and unfair for Alabama. It's like, shut the hell up, Nick. Just shut up. To a degree, I agree with what you're saying. I understand why Jimbo wants to defend himself. I don't blame him for that. But it obviously Nick Saban frequently gets kind of overly sanctimonious on his high horse about things, which at times is really annoying. But I'm assuming that I don't want to make him out save it out to be like this mad genius necessarily but I think he's a bright guy in Mm -hmm. in terms of like how to play the media and stuff like that and I think he probably knew that hey if I do something that Jimbo's gonna jump on this and be really upset and now I can turn around and use this all off season long with all of my guys about how oh my god look look what's going on here and everyone's talking about their greatest recruiting class ever and you got this guy making fun of you guys and Oh, we don't even have a chance to win a game this year, which is obviously not remotely true, mm-hmm. but it works to motivate those guys and 
I just, whether it's fair or not, I think there's a strong likelihood, or maybe not, I should say, like a 55 to 60% chance that we're going to be here in November and it's just going to be like, well, Texas A&M's not doing that great this year. They're fine, but they're not uh, going to win the division right. or go to a big bowl game. And, and it's fair or not, it's something that I think there's a good chance it's going to end up with Jimbo looking dumb, you know, yep. eight months from now or seven, six months, however, whatever time it's, you know, late November or December. Well, October 8th is when these two teams meet up, I believe, so that's going to be must-see television there, arguably the game of the year in college football for, you know, outside of maybe Alabama, Texas, or or uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State. That's going to be a really good one as well. Uh, but, like, even for Nick Saban to bring up Deion Sanders and Jackson State, like, I know Jackson State gets this really high recruit, what, maybe the number one player in the country, number two player overall in the country, and obviously that will raise some eyebrows, but that's what NIL has has brought about now here in the landscape of college sports. But even just, it just seems so petty of Nick Saban to go after some, you know, a school like Jackson State that really doesn't even com- remotely compare and won't even be able to compete with the likes of Alabama for the most part. They get one guy, and now all of a sudden Nick Saban's crying foul. It's Again, just shut up, Nick. Just shut the hell up. It is. That one's weirder. I mean, the, the Jimbo stuff I kind of get. Yep. You know, from kind of a, a – I mean, it's petty, but kind of from a gamesmanship standpoint. The Dion one's weird, and I mean, how awkward do you think those Aflac trivia or those Aflac commercials are going to be now? <laughs> I mean, I don't think I they're probably going to be in the same ones anymore now. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think. I think one of them switching insurance providers. I don't know which one it's going to be. But. <laughs> very true. Very true. So with this whole nil with name, image, likeness, and everything like that. I mean, we see this uh, this wide receiver from Pittsburgh, Addis- uh, Addison, who was a very good wide receiver. He's jumping ship to USC, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like a follow-the-money trail. And, you know, between the transfer portal, which I hate, and NIL, it just seems like college sports, and I'm, I'm including both college football and college basketball in this primarily, it's, we're, we're going to see this whole shift in the landscape and I do think that there needs to be some sort of regulation a little bit to kind of offset how extreme things have gotten in such a relatively uh, accelerated period of time, a short period of time. And far, there are far greater minds than, than you or I to, to try and figure this out. But something needs to be done, don't you think? Because I feel like we're walking down or, or sliding down a very slippery slope when it comes to just how much NIL is impacting the game of college football and, and college basketball. I think the next two years are going to be really interesting with this just because I don't know how much of the toothpaste they're going to be able to shove back into the tube mm-hmm. now that it's out. Um, I agree that there does at times seem to be, it seems like this is a little too far to swing the other way. I don't have a problem with kids making cash. Nor do I. It does seem weird that there are times where it's like, wait, this guy's never played a down of college football before, and they're offering him hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yep. And, and I, I, that's not the norm as of now. I mean, I know there's some guys that that happens. But I don't. That's not the case for most of them. But I think 
the biggest problem would just be that this generally is not a problem with collegiate athletics, but at times is in professional sports, is that you get guys who would get paid and just don't care to play anymore. And mm-hmm. I, to be fair, I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong if they get someone to give them way too much money that they are not out performing. I mean, the coaches and fans would not like it and stuff like that. But, I mean, I, I don't know. It's... it's this is something that, you know, like five years ago and 10 and 20 people talked about stuff like this, but I didn't know if it would ever actually happen. Mm-hmm. And now that it's here, I I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be, it'll be strange to see how it plays out. I think there will be some good stuff. I don't think it's going to be as bad as some people make it out to be, but I do think there will also be weird times where, you know, you'll have some guy at a fairly good school, like, I mean, I don't know, let's say, I'm trying to think Minnesota. of one, like the most the Tennessee Titans version of college football would be, Ooh. you know, somebody Ooh. somebody at like Arizona State or something like that, where it's like, oh yeah, I mean they're good at football at times. That's not a bad school, and someone's like a two year starter and really good, and it's just like, oh, they're leaving, and it's like, oh, to the NFL, it's like, oh no, they're leaving to go to Texas because they got offered eight hundred thousand dollars. It's like, oh, oh almost could oh, be the A and the almost could be the A and M, the team that goes six and six, seven, five, eight, and four repeatedly and doesn't do much. I mean, that could be the school he goes to. I mean, <laughs> I would imagine that there will be some kids that will be less. And I mean, I'm sure everybody wants to win in college sports, but it's easy to, you know, live with going seven and five or eight and four if you're making six figures. Can we? Can we? Call if you're not getting anything. Could we call them the NC State? I feel like NC State might be one of those schools. That- NC State would be a good one compared to – I started thinking West. I should have thought East. I think mean, NC State is the perfect comparison. I, but yeah, and also without, you know, offending either UB or any of our friends who are banned from certain football teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could probably say that. But we won't get into that. But NC State, I think, would be perfect. Yeah, I mean, you'll have some guy who it's like, oh, yeah. This is an outside linebacker who's great at rushing the passer and, you know, was a, a second-team all-conference guy as a true freshman and an All-American as a sophomore. It's like, oh, is he going to hold out and not play his junior year and go to the NFL and sit out? It's like, oh, no, he's going to play. It's like, oh, he's playing at NC State because of NIL. That's great. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I mean, he's playing. It's not at NC State, though. He's going to Michigan, and he's going to play there or something like that. And, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and I I understand Nick Saban's point in trying in trying to bring up the NIL stuff. I, I feel like it was the right message, but he said it wrong, and it came from the wrong messenger. Does that make sense? Like in all of this, because I like I think it goes back to the main point of like what NIL is doing is it's total it's shifting the landscape of college athletics. And I don't think it's necessarily for the better. There are certainly aspects of it that are good, mainly that college athletes are finally getting paid for bringing in the millions, if not billions of dollars to their respective universities and conferences. And that's the good thing, but we've just swung so far from one side to the other that it needs to be brought back to the middle a bit. And I, I, I think what Nick Saban was trying to say is, was valid like you know now we're just buying recruiting classes like it changes things but i don't think it it's he could have said it differently and it probably would have been a more effective message coming from someone other than nick saban who has alabama at the top 
all the time. However, with that being said, it did at least get us to talk about this. Um, so I, I, there are pros and cons to it. I just feel like the message could have been said a little differently, and it may have been better uh, coming from someone else because we're kind of mocking Nick Saban and, and not really going to the underlying issue of what it's doing to college athletics. So, Stacking, you said earlier that we weren't the uh, smartest minds. A, how dare you? Uh, I'm B, sorry. I'm sorry. I should have said I am not about. the smartest mind. You are. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I don't know if I go that far, but counterpoint. Here's something I just thought of while you were you were talking about this. Yep. I don't know. This is just off the top of my head, so I've not thought this all the way through. Just, I'm sure there are still pitfalls to this, and it would not be perfect. I think perhaps the biggest problem or at least what we're worrying about the biggest problem is the combination of both NIL money being incredibly high in the transfer portal where you just automatically leave and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're ever going to be able to really completely put the NIL stuff back in all the way back in the box. I think we can to a degree, but not all the way. So here is my counter of trying to sort of move the needle back a bit towards the middle where it's not all the way back to where it was, but more in the middle, Mm -hmm. is that the only way you're able to transfer like people are transferring now is if you have not accepted any NIL money. Then you can just leave whatever you want. But if you have taken money from, you know, know, not a scholarship, but from the NIL stuff, then you have to sit out one year, at least the first time you transfer. Okay. Because the biggest thing... This is the biggest thing, is that people talk about comparing it to professional sports. Mm-hmm. The difference with pro sports is there's rules about like when you can be a free agent, when you can get signed, and you can't just do it all season long and stuff like that. So this would at least make it so you can't just all entire season long be like, hey, we're not allowed to talk to guys from other teams, but let's just send some kid who knows this guy over there and tell him that we have a spot open. And you can immediately come and play here right away. Then. So at least... I don't think, I mean, I'm sure there would still be a lot of people transferring, but it would perhaps cut it down enough where it's just like, oh, hey, every college basketball team every year has eight new players that transferred there. Mm-hmm. I like that point. How about how about this? How about if you accept NIL money, you have to give back whatever is remaining on the deal of that NIL if you choose to transfer, plus an additional percentage of what you've already received. So like maybe you keep 10 to 15% of the total NIL, but your chances are if you're transferring, you're going to get higher NIL deals out there. So if you have an NIL, like let's say someone like, okay, Baylor Shireman is a, is a perfect example of this. I'm not saying Baylor did this, but you know, he goes from South Dakota state to Creighton. You're moving to summit league to the Big East. So let's say that Omaha Stakes is going to offer Baylor Shireman a big NIL deal. And like, let's say Cubbies offered him $20,000 for NIL. And I'm not saying they did. I'm just using this as an yeah, example. Yeah, you hypothetical. Yeah, hypothetical, yep. And Omaha Stakes says, you know what, we're going to give you 100000 And maybe Baylor's accepted, or like, uh, has accepted 10, 15,000 of the of the, the 20,000 or whatever. He has to pay whatever he's already received or he has to pay back what he hasn't received yet and then like an additional percentage or whatever 
back to that original establishment. So yes, the original establishment's losing some of the NIL money, but they're recouping their losses. And that way he, you know, Baylor in this case or whoever would be making far more on their new NIL deal from the new school. I think that would maybe curb some of this transferring out of there if they had to look at the financial aspect of it like, wow, I have to pay this money back and that's going to take out of my current deal. Like, you know, is it worth it? So, you know, so to speak. Does that make sense? Does that seem like a I understand your point. Uh, selfishly, and maybe this is just because like a lot of uh, guys, I just always have a highly inflated opinion of myself. I like my idea better than your idea. But sure. that might just be because I came up with it. I don't know. Right. I think we could combine both of them, though, into a way to curb it. I, uh, this is another thing I just thought of, too. I, I don't know this. I, I don't know what the rules are. I do wonder if someone is making enough NIL money, and a lot of them wouldn't be willing to do this, so I don't want to say that, like, coaches would force kids to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you could force a lot of them to do this, but in theory, you know, there's scholarship limit numbers. If you've got a kid making $800,000 a year and it costs $50,000 to, you know, for tuition and room and board and that stuff for a whole year at a school, Mm -hmm. in theory, you could be like, hey, guess what? Come here. You're going to get your $800,000. You're only going to get $750,000 because you're going to have to not be on scholarship you're technically going to be a walk-on yeah um and we'll just call that taxes to the school but then we've got another scholarship that we can give to somebody else then and we don't have to waste uh one of our 85 on you since you're already going to be making you know 12 times as much as what it costs to go here i like that potential as well i like that as well i think that i think there i think i mean i'm not i don't know if that's legal necessarily probably not in terms of the rules and (laughs) And uh, I don't know if I'm if, uh, I don't know whether that should or should not happen either. But there's a lot of stuff like that that you know when you start thinking about things, it's like, well, I mean, to a degree, if if kids want to do that, I don't have a problem, I suppose. But mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, if a kid's making seventy five thousand dollars a year and it's a private school that costs seventy thousand dollars a year, I don't know if it would be fair to be like, hey, you have to give all this money so you're not on scholarship and you only have $5,000 left over there. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, just in these last five, ten minutes here, we've spitballed a few decent ideas of ways to help bring this uh, back down a little bit here that would maybe help quell the uh, the overwhelming uh, flow of the, of the transfers and the NIL. I think, you know what, maybe we should pitch these ideas to some of these conferences or the NCAA. I mean, maybe we should. I mean, I'm sure even as bad as some of ours might be, they're better than what they're coming up with. Well, they right. come up with awful rules routinely. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So what's the worst they can say? No. So I, I like this. I like this a lot. And we can hype. Uh, it, hypo- it also sounds like, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but it sounds like for both of us, the, the bigger problem is less the guys making money. And it's just the, like, no nope, transferring right now. And, I don't want to say that like nobody should transfer that it's always bad or even it's even or it's mostly bad. Even. I think there are a lot of times where it makes sense, but there's also some where it's just like you're not starting that quarterback is a true freshman, so you're transferring. I mean, you only had to wait one year, and then the guy was leaving, and you could have started the next year. Yep, and you're gone already. 
or you know, like in basketball. I mean, I, you you follow college basketball closer than I do, but mm-hmm. you know, it's like you're the you're the third person off the bench and still playing minutes, but because you're not starting, you're yep. leaving. I mean, you, you're going to be the starter next year. I, I see. mean, and I would love to like if you could only transfer under like certain scenarios. A like if the coach leaves. B, if... I mean, when you say transfer, I'm assuming you're talking transfer and start immediately the next year without yes, having yep. to sit out a year. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Like, the, the the coach leaves, that automatically opens the door up for, the, for that scholarship. You know, like, you can transfer somewhere else if you want to. B, if you have, like, a medical emergency, um, like, at home or with a family member or something. Or C, if you just want to move closer to home. Like, you could move to a school within a certain radius there. I mean, there should only... And those are just a few that I've come up with right now. Like, I'm sure there are others that you could throw in there, but there are, there are just a few situations, I think, that would uh, be okay for you to transfer rather than, oh, I'm not getting... When I, I was promised a scholarship, I was promised playing time, I didn't get it right away, so I'm transferring. That, like, no, that's not where we need to be as a country, and that's where we're... We already are, arguably. Um, you got to work for it a little bit. And, yeah. I would also add, we didn't specifically mention this, but for the guys who, like, graduated, and, you know, and it used to be those were the only people that could transfer and play right away were guys who graduated and would transfer. Yeah, yeah graduated. If perfect. they want to leave right away, that's fine. I don't think you could be like, no, you went to school here and graduated and did what you're supposed to do, and we don't want you to I think right. any of them should be able to leave for whatever reason. Yes, they want. yes, grad transfers absolutely. The free reign to wherever go wherever they want. They they've put in the time and the effort for your university. They got that degree. They can go anywhere. Yes, that's another example too, or another scenario. So, so I I, I don't know. I feel like I, well, I don't know. I don't know what the cutoff would be. I would and I, I maybe even not even if you tra- or if you graduate even if it was just you've been there four years. You know, if you've been if you're a yeah, I'm just going to use football because, you know, you play just one semester, basically, in football. Mm-hmm. You know, you're usually done before the spring semester yep. starts. But, you know, if you are if you are a freshman in 2022, and then you go 2022, 2023, 2024, and then you want to leave after the 2024 season, I don't know if I have a huge problem if after three years you've been there, you're like, all right, I think I'm ready to move on. This isn't working. I think I would, I don't know what I would say the number is. Maybe just like, you can't or you can't immediately transfer after one year and get immediate eligibility without. I mean, or so you'd have to sit out a year if you just did it, or you've only been on campus one year. Like I, I don't know, maybe that would be my number. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like we're we're thinking out loud here, we're yep. through this, but yep. yeah, and like and not to say that no one could ever do it. It's just to make it so it's not just you know we're. Half the teams, like I said, in college basketball are just like, well, we lost some guys. We're just going to bring in transfers. We don't need to do anything. We've got six new guys. None of them are freshmen from high school. Right. They're just all transfers who came here. Yep. And this is just how it is now. Because I do, I, 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 I don't love the, the just like, but you're not going to even say, even for, for football with uh, Nebraska football, that they, have brought in all sorts of transfers in football, which, I mean, if they win more, that's great. But ideally, you know, uh, you would not want to be like, hey, guess what? We have 15 new transfers that are immediately eligible. But something about it just seems like a tap 
like a tad off. I don't mm-hmm. know, but but maybe that's just the world that's going to be from that one. I don't know. It, it could be just yeah, as you said, the world we you know we're going to have to make an adjustment to how we we view things now through the the current lens that uh, we're looking at college sports with. But it's a fascinating discussion. Well, of course, we'll talk about it more, especially throughout the season. College football is 100 days and counting now until the regular season kicks off. Is there anything else while I have you on that you would like to talk about? Um, I don't know. I have a whole lot else. I mean, unless you want to talk about movies or something. I mean, since we briefly talked about Gladiator, I guess I would just say strength and honor, Stanton. Strength and honor. <laughs> Are you uh, planning to see any? Uh, you're planning to see the mo- new Top Gun movie with Tom Cruise? It sounds like uh, any other. I am. It comes out on Friday, and I am going to see it on Friday. And like the weird thing was, is I mean, I enjoyed the original Top Gun movie, but it was not one of my all-time favorites or anything. But for whatever reason, I guess I am just at the correct age at 36, where the marketing has hit me right where I'm all of a sudden like, wow, I really need to see this movie. And I'm not quite sure how I got there, but I, I wanted, for whatever reason, I'm excited. I wanted to go see The Northman. I have not gotten a chance to see it yet, but that's one that I certainly want to see. Uh, are there? Any- I have seen that. I will tell you, it is a little surreal and at times odd. Okay. I'm not saying it's bad or anything, but there are times it's like, oh, huh, interesting. I, uh... I, I, I don't want to tell you anymore. Okay. I don't want to spoil right. anything for you. But like other... expect it for, expect, not always, but expect it at times to be kind of weird. Okay. Any other movies that you are excited or that you are planning to see or that you are excited to see in the upcoming future? I think Top Gun's the only real big one. I okay. mean, I'm sure I'll see the next Jurassic Park or whatever it's called now. Yes. Jurassic World. Yeah, I think it's the final it installment out. of the series, too, on June 10th. Yeah. I mean, in. To me, Jurassic Park, I kind of feel like the original Top Gun, where I mean, I like it fine, but it's not one of my all-time favorites, but, you know, it'll probably be fun, and I'll see it. Very good. Very good. Charlie, I always appreciate the time, my friend. We'll, we'll, I'm, I know we'll chat here as college football fast approaches here, uh, but maybe we'll talk before then. But uh, be well. Uh, hopefully the, the rest of the spring season in baseball and softball in Iowa isn't, uh, doesn't hit you too hard. And, and uh, we'll chat soon, my friend. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks for having me. In the meantime, I'll be on the highway to the danger zone. All right. Highway to the danger zone. All right, that's all I got for you. All right. Talk to you later, Bob. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand joining me here on the Sports Block Podcast, talking about college football, basketball, the NIL deal and stuff. It's a, a crazy world we live in. You know, with Nick Saban, we, we spitballed we, you know, a few ideas of how to moderate the NIL. It, again, we're not wanting to take away opportunities for these kids, but it just feels like we've gone from one extreme to the other, and we both hate the transfer portal. Something's got to be done here, but maybe that's just the world we live in regarding college athletics. We're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast again. Just a, a real uh, brief going back here to the NHL playoffs uh, momentarily here. The Florida Panthers got swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning, so the President Trophy winners are out ski of the playoffs. Tampa Bay, the dynasty that is the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, when it comes to the NHL and sports in general. Continues to roll on there in their third straight uh, Eastern Conference final here, and we'll see if they 
who they play, Tampa or New York or Carolina. That series is tied 2-2 right now. Rangers winning 4-1 in Game 4 in the West. The Avalanche uh, taking care of the Blues 3-1. There's a lot of bad blood with uh, uh, Kadir. It's it's not good. He ran into Jordan Bennington. um, Kadri, Nazim Kadri. Uh, ran into uh, Bennington, actually got pushed by a Blues defender, but death threats and whatnot. What did he do? He just scored a hat trick in game four. Pretty much a shut the hell up to the Blues fans and a, a middle finger, which is good. I mean, that's what that's what you need to do. The Blues were uh, made him a target and went after him a lot. It wasn't great. So hopefully the Avalanche win that series, put the Blues out of their misery and the Blues fans out of their misery. And then Edmonton and Calgary going on right now. Edmonton, um, you know, came back after that 9-6 epic game one loss. Uh, just an incredible 15 goals in that game. And he took control of the series through games two and three. We'll see how the rest of the series plays out. And that will do it for this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, available on iTunes uh, on iTunes as well as podcast.com. Follow Charlie on Twitter at C.E. Hildebrand. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stack and Facebook Nathan Stack and Travis Krins on Twitter at Travis Krins. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. We will be having fewer podcasts in the summer. We'll have some announcements on that coming up here probably next week. Uh, but enjoy your Memorial Day. It is the unofficial or the official start to summer. The official start, I guess, is June 21st with the, the souls. Whatever. Uh, but the unofficial start to summer is Memorial Day. So enjoy the barbecues. Enjoy the time with family and friends. Have a wonderful weekend. Have a wonderful long weekend if you get it. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk baseball. We'll talk NBA and NHL playoffs and whatever else comes about. So for Travis and Charlie, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great rest of your week. And we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.